Friday afternoon, Friday morning for some, and you know what that means. Listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by one of the busiest men in the biz, John Sheeran. Uh, already took the air earlier today. How you doing, John? Yeah, um, this morning, or I guess not even this morning, um, about an hour and a half ago, I had the pleasure of being on Forever I Love Atlanta Sports Podcast, which is a Atlanta like YouTube channel. And I was talking about Darren Simmons potentially being a head coaching candidate for the Atlanta Falcons. So me and the, the Don, as he calls himself, who hosts that channel, uh, we had a nice conversation about Darren Simmons. And also, uh, if you want to watch that, definitely check out, he's interviewing Reggie Kelly, who not only played for the Bengals, but also played for the Falcons in his day. He's interviewing Reggie Kelly on Sunday. So definitely check him out. Forever I Love Atlanta Sports Podcast on YouTube. Please do. Reggie Qual- Kelly is a quality, quality human and quality uh quality football player he played you know played a while for the Bengals, so that's really cool you were on that show please check it out they did follow me and uh on twitter and i kind of dropped the ball there i think so i i'm glad that you connected with them and got on that show a little bit there um but yeah please check that out that's awesome also just a little bit of news we do have some feelers out to some special guests coming up um, in the next few weeks. So we hope to be booking those. We've had a few special guests over the past couple of weeks, Tim McGee, Sam Hubbard, and now we're hoping to get a couple more here before year's end. So we will definitely keep you in the loop on that. Let's get to some questions. You can submit yours to us in a number of different ways. Call or text 949-542-6241. You can call or text us there. Email theobinsider at gmail.com. You can tweet us at OBI, and we have three Three live comment sections, Facebook, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, our own YouTube channel, and on Cincy Jungle, there is an article, a live Q&A article with a comment thread. You can leave them there. We'll be monitoring all that stuff. We appreciate all of the, the support and all of the questions you've been firing out at us. If you're new around these parts, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's an icon right under John's left shoulder there. So Click that, get notified when we will be going live, when we have new material. By the way, we're going to be keeping up with all kinds of different material throughout the offseason. We're not really, you know, we're not just going to cut back on all kinds of stuff. I know John will have some stuff. Matt will have some stuff. We'll be doing all kinds of collaborative stuff. So, um, you know, we still plan on bringing it to you throughout the the rest of the offseason. It's going to be an interesting one for sure for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to let you bat lead off this time, John. Uh, where Where would you like to start? I guess we can start with the Facebook chat from Chuck Anderson. He's asking, other than Jesse Bates, which has been the most improved player under this coaching staff? How about you go first? That is a really good question. Oh, boy. You know, there, there's an argument to be made for a couple of, of people. Um, you could even say a guy like Seathan Carter seems to be in a, in a small, small role, seems to be improved. Um, you can make an argument for, um, you know, some other players around the roster. I, I would almost say Drew Sample, though, John. I think I think Drew Sample has. Uh, there's been some issues when they've made him go one on one inexplicably in pass protection. He's gotten beat, but he's picked it up a little bit. Um, I, there's still some some things to clean up, but he's had some high scores via PFF over the past couple of weeks. Um, so I, I would say that's kind of one guy that maybe comes to mind a little bit. It's like I look at this roster and who's doing well and who has been the same. And it just I don't know. It just feels like most of the players that are doing well, like they would be doing well regardless of who the coach was. I think with Bates, it's 
it should be said about the jump that he made from regressing in year two to being arguably the best safety in football in year three. And that, you know, I have to credit the coaches to some degree, but Jesse Bates is a special, is a special talent. And you have to think that with any competent defensive coordinator or coaching staff, they would be able to get similar production out of him. You know, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, they're, they're good players and they're playing well. And I don't know how much you can attribute their success to the coaching staff. And most of the rest of the roster, I, I like Carl Lawson, maybe like he's taking a jump back to where he was, in 20, you know, 18 and 20 in his rookie year. But again, he's, he's a talented player and that's just who he is. He's just now healthy now. So I think Bates is like the obvious one. I think samples a decent one, but I just, yeah, it's like the, the guys who are good players, they're, they're just good players. It's not like they're really elevating anybody's talent. They're just playing up to expectation. And for the most part, this roster is depleted of talent because of injuries. And as a result, you have mostly un- an underwhelming roster at that point. Right, and it's just a matter of what are your expectations and what what did we – I mean, Drew Sample hasn't been outstanding, sometimes not even good, but compared to last year and him not really playing much at all because of an injury, and when he did, it wasn't that wasn't great at all. And then now he's kind of flashing a bit this year. That's kind of just one guy that came to mind. I mean, you could say William Jackson is another guy that's kind of stepped up. I don't – I just – like you said, though, I don't know if I could say under this coaching staff – that's specifically why some of these guys have stepped up, but that's kind of why I guess I went drew sample there. I mean, one, before we move on, uh, I, I almost hesitate to say this and we'll probably go next to a question that relates to this, but um, would you, would, could you make an argument for Bobby Hart based on what you saw earlier in the year? I, I guess it's like, he's playing as good as he could be, but he's still not a good player. So it's like, yeah, I credit the coaches for making a bad player. Like, not slightly less bad. I don't know. We're going to get to a call here in just a second. By the way, John, Chuck Anderson, the uh, the Facebook photo there, the, the family's dressed up as the Simpsons. That's, uh, that's pretty, really that. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, we've got, I believe, someone on our line. Uh, who's this? How are you doing? It's Terrell. Uh, Terrell, wouldn't be Friday without you, my friend. How you doing? How you guys doing? Good. What's going on? What's on your mind? Oh man, I just I just gotta say, uh man, uh, uh I just wanna get to the good before the bad, but it's a it's a lot of handful of guys on the team fighting for this crazy season and um I just wanna get a hand to they did fight hard though. And also, uh I gotta say, uh uh Boyd and uh and Bates, they gotta at least get on the top one hundred though or something for it though. At least uh <laughs> make it to the Pro Bowl or something. I mean, at least a little something. And T. Higgins and Burrow, you know what I mean? That was a, a highlight of our uh, season. And um, I got to give it to Logan Wilson. He outplayed uh, Baz in practice this year, though. He should uh, get some more playing time, definitely. And um, I got to say, you, uh, I like how you had uh, Lou Alaromo, uh, uh Bengals Nation, public enemy number one on, uh, in the front of the game, though. Cause, and then and just to keep another eye on Zach Taylor, too, though. But, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I just, I just hope they refresh the line. Um, I feel like Duke, Duke told, uh, Duke, uh, uh, yeah, Duke told me, um, he, he, uh, he, he on a hot seat, too, though. Mm. And, um, uh, and a lot of this blame, I, I know a lot of the blame do get on, uh, Michael Jordan and, he way, way, way overrated, uh, and um, he, he he just don't bend enough for for a big guy, and uh, and a lot of it. But I put it on Jonathan Allen too. He got a length on um, Joe Burrow. Yeah, and I just gotta say happy holidays and y'all have a great uh, 
great uh season, hopefully next year. And, um, and, and please, please don't let family come back. <laughs> thanks Jarrell happy holidays to you man uh, we'll, we'll probably do another listener questions live episode before the new year but uh, in case we don't for some reason have a good holiday good hearing from you I want to talk about uh, that Duke Tobin thing you brought up there thanks for calling in as always bud um, uh, no problem so hey uh, he brought up Duke Tobin I thought this was uh, that's kind of an interesting thing I mean we talk about you know our, is Zach Taylor really on the hot seat um, because of this coaching staff I think we all think he at least should be but um, you know who knows with this with this ownership group and everything if that's if they're gonna be so quick to make a change but what about Duke Tobin and your thoughts about things with him John you spoke with him uh, I believe was it at the senior Bowl this year um, mm-hmm. you, you and Joe Goodberry sat down with him. Um, and there was also an interesting email from somebody. I guess I could tie this in here. Um, it was from Joseph Cook, and he pointed out all of the guys that they've drafted in the first round that have had major, major, major injury issues. 2013 Eifert, 2014 Denard, 2015 Aboyhe, 2016 Jackson, 2017 Ross, 2018 Price, guys that missed a lot of time earlier in their careers, and it's kind of followed them throughout. So I guess... Since Terrell brought it up, we had another email about Duke Tobin. What are your kind of holistic thoughts of Tobin going into 21, especially since you spoke to him earlier this year? I don't know why he stopped at Price, Jonah Williams, and Joe Burrow. Just had yeah, to yeah, yeah. Good um, he's not going anywhere. I think it was Paul Denner Jr. who wrote about this in like his own Q&A. Someone asked about, you know, is Duke Tobin on the hot seat? He's got the perfect job. He's not the general manager, but they act like he is, but they don't give him the title. So he doesn't have the accountability of being one. And he's like he and his dad, Bill, there's there's family in that organization. People point at like the bad things or like the the misses in the draft and they they will counter back with with the hits in the draft from 2019 or excuse me, 2009 to 2013. That was the basis of what made that team competitive. So. I think he has a job for as long as he wants, which is kind of like what it, what it was with Marvin Lewis, but it, it just doesn't seem like he's likely to ever go in to get fired or, you know, for being incompetent, even if he doesn't have the greatest track record in recent years. I just don't see that as something that's going to happen this year or maybe in the recent uh, future. Yeah, I think, I think he's safer than Zach Taylor personally. Um, and, and, which is odd to say because he was probably one of the big guys who was the driving force behind hiring Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, I think I think that that he, he had a loud voice in that at least by kind of you know reading the tea leaves there. So uh, I, I think, but I do think that this next draft class for him is going to be big. And if this next draft is it, it classes another flop, has a lot of players who are injured. You know, maybe that's then a little bit of a, a cause to make a change by ownership there, John. I, I just wonder if he does leave. I mean, do they do they fill that position again? Do they add a different GM and actually make a GM? I mean, what or is that just, uh, you know, he earned that, that spot. We know that this organization doesn't like to hire a lot of internal staff. So, you know, if they get rid of him, well, we'll just kind of make ad hoc positions elsewhere to maybe fill the void. I don't know. I mean, that's exactly like they don't have a GM right now. So if they get rid of Duke, then like what what, what do they do? Like they, they just have no director. Like who, who gets promoted to that spot? Is it going to be better than Duke? Like they're not going to go out and hire a GM. They're not going to go out and hire Lewis Riddick or anyone else that you may want. That's just not what they do. Right. Uh, where do you want to go next? 
Uh, I want to let's get to Mr. Whisper from YouTube. Um, he's asking about Quinn Spain. Like, has he done well enough to be resigned, or is he replaceable? What do you think? Well, first of all, I saw that one, and that was that was where I was going to go. So I'm glad you did. Uh, a little bit of both. I think. I mean, he's shown both. He's shown to be a little bit proven to give a little stability on the offensive line, but there have been moments where you go, oh boy. But the other thing, John, is I think a lot of people realize that Quentin Spain is a more natural left guard and he hasn't really played there. He's played a lot of right guard for this team because of necessity. So it's almost kind of like, you know, why don't you let him play left guard, let him show you what he's got there, and then you can figure out the rest from there. I mean, I think I think that it, you you try and bring him back and you because you could probably get him on a manageable deal, especially if you're going to maybe go make a splash elsewhere on the offensive line and free agency, which I think they should. Um, you know, you can have at least you're not going to have all pros at every single position on the offensive line. It would be wonderful if you did, but you know, if you had a guy that's at least okay, which Spain seems to be, um, and and I think if he would be, there'd be a little bit more quality film out there on him as a Cincinnati Bengal if there was more time at left guard that's just kind of my gut feeling but um you know I, I think to answer the question in my opinion I think it's been a little bit of both he's done well enough to be resigned but he's also replaceable yeah they got to get 90 guys I wouldn't mind bringing Spain back he's not going to command that much money you just bring him back on a one-year deal honestly I, I like I wouldn't mind keeping Suofilo around for like the same purpose I, I, I had tip to Jake Lisko for lockdown Bengals who I think brought up an interesting concept like with, with the Buffalo Bills because they completely revamped their offensive line, but they didn't really do it with high price free agents. They just went out and signed a bunch of guys like Quinn Spain was one of them from the Tennessee Titans. And <laughs> excuse me, he had he had one decent year with Buffalo before he ended up with, with Cincinnati where he is now. And like that was just kind of the mantra where it's just find like find a bunch of like mid tier guys and just have them, you know, fill out those spots and whoever is the best guy wins. You know, you're not going to be able to sign two high profile guards you might be you might sign one we don't even know if they're going to sign a joe tooney or brandon scherf to fill one of the guard spots gwyn Smith, i think qualifies as a guy that you know you have a full off season with him you see what he can do at either spot and see if it sticks you know i think he and suafilo and whoever else they want to bring in i think one of those guys can can become a a, a solid not a, not a, not a liability not necessarily an asset but just the guy that can fill the spot better than what you saw from michael jordan and alex Schiff. and i would qualify spain as that Agreed. We're going to move on to some more questions here. Again, you can get yours in in a number of different ways. On Cincy Jungle's comment thread, the live comments going in our YouTube channel, as well as Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. You can call or text us 949-542-6241. You can tweet us at BanglesOBI, or you can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be here a little while longer, and we'll try and get to as many as we can here there was another one john i think it was email let me double check uh oh no i think it was i think it was a text message excuse me and it was from uh the 513 area code so we get sewell from oregon and move jonah to right tackle does that kick bobby hart to the street if if we do that or does bobby hart stick around maybe rework a deal is he a guy that maybe you even look at at guard? I don't know. Um, I, I think at that point, though, especially if you go high price guard, you got to do something with Bobby Hart's salary to to get that off the books. If if Sewell's the guy you go with, yeah, he should not be around for how much money he's making, and it just feels like 
there's just no point in really restructuring him or asking him to take a pay cut. Just just move on. You know that they're going to bring in someone new at right tackle, whether it be a free agent or whether it just be Sewell um, to, to fill that spot. Like, and, and once you bring in Sewell, honestly, like we talked about this with, with Matt Minnick and on our latest uh, pregame uh, show, Sewell played right tackle in high school. So he's played right tackle more recently than Jonah Williams. Now, <laughs> Last year, I brought up the idea of Fred Johnson, left tackle, and Jonah Williams, a right tackle this year. Everybody you know, pounced on me for that because, oh, left tackle is the most valuable spot. Jonah Williams is the left tackle. Now everyone's like, oh, yes, yes, let's move Jonah to right tackle. You know, why didn't anyone think of this idea before? Um, I would keep Jonah at left and Sewell at right because I think right tackle, you just face better competition. And if you believe that Sewell is a better right tackle, then you put, place him there after you had Jonah Williams at left tackle for a whole year. I don't. I don't think if you're going to replace one tackle, I don't. I don't know if the best option is to move the guy who you've developed at left tackle all the way to right tackle. Like the idea last year was that Jonah hadn't played football since the 2019 national championship. You know, he missed the entire rookie season. He was rehabbing. He would have been able to get work at both sides in that case, but they decided to keep him at left. And if if that's the case, then just keep him at left now because it, do, it doesn't it doesn't really matter anymore. Like the difference between left and right. You need two quality guys, and it's not. It's not a negative if you put a top five offensive tackle at right tackle. You need a quality right tackle, especially going up against Miles Garrett and TJ Watt four times a year. Yep. The it's it's interesting how that has flipped from the old school nineties and two thousands where you you know your premier left tackle was always your pass protector. And now, you know, there's pass rushers all over the field and a lot of them are off of uh that right tackle. You know, they 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 go against that right tackle. So it's it's kind of interesting how that you know, script has been flipped a little bit. And, uh, you know, so the Bengals need some guy at right tackle to to be a premier pass protector as well. And and Sewell seems to be that. Uh, John, we did have, I, I want to have you pick the next one. We did have someone, if you're able, they asked us to bring the Lincoln of that show that you were on. I think it was oh, the yes. next show in, in YouTube. So if you got that, um, we will take that. But uh, is there another question you see here that um, piques your interest? Yeah, I wanted to go to the Cincy Jungle comment section. We had one from Steeler Style. I'm assuming he's a Steelers fan, but well, let's, just, let's just read his question. Um, what was the final breaking point that has you saying to fire Zach? For me, it was Burrow getting hurt bad enough to be on IR. So I guess he is a Bengals fan. Uh, so, Anthony, what was your final breaking point? If you had one. There, I mean, it's kind of been a slow, a slow burn, I guess, or a uh, a slow death for me a little bit. But you know, I I saw for me it was the first Steelers game this year, and and you can even go back to the other Baltimore game because I felt that even though you're going into Pittsburgh, and it was going, and the Pitt, Pittsburgh Steelers were undefeated. Very good team. I felt like, you know, you have Joe Burrow. I, I didn't expect the Bengals to win, but I, I expected a, a quality showing. You had Joe Burrow. You've got T. Higgins. You know, there was still some some banged up players on this roster, but that showing was pretty awful. And uh, the one the one before that against the Ravens was, was not great either. And when you're not competing with, again, you don't need to be beating these teams right now if you're in this kind of rebuild mode. But if you're really not putting out a quality performance against the premier teams, not only in your division, but in the AFC, 
consistently, that's that to me is a big red red flag. I mean, I know they beat the Titans, who are one of the better teams in the AFC, but I, I looked at that Steeler game. I mean, and then you know, it, obviously Burrow gets hurt game game after that. But I mean, it's like to me, I, I saw that game and I said, we are just really, really far away as the Cincinnati Bengals. We're really still far away, at least under this staff. Like, yeah, you, you need to beat and compete against the Steelers in the AFC North. You need to beat the Browns too. <laughs> I think after the second Browns game is when I realized he's he's just not it. That was a week after you know they blew the game against the Colts and had that defensive yeah. collapse and just an, a, one of the first stinkers in the third quarter of the season. And then he followed that up with that collapse against Cleveland and allowing Baker Mayfield to go off in ways that he had never really done before. I know he had a good game against them in week two, but he fought he continued to do well against them in that week. And even though, you know, Burrow played well, there was, it, it just, it was a collapse and it was getting swept by Cleveland for the first time. in I don't, I don't know how many years, you know, since 2002, I guess with Dick, Dick LeBeau like that is when I thought that, yeah, he's, he's just not it. Now the, the Burrow injury and the fact that he, you know, he was one of the driving forces of keeping that same offensive line out there for the season and poor evaluations on, on his part to allow that to happen. That obviously, you know, strengthened the point. But I think for me, like, I guess I'm not really answering the question because it's like this is what I'm, I initially first thought it, but it's it's what's just dominating my my mind when I hear this question. Like, that's when I I, I guess I knew that he's just he's just not it. Right, and can can. Uh... Fetcher or, or uh, Ken F. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your last name there. Ken says, "Why shouldn't we expect this team to win?" That's a cop out. It's not a cop out. The point is that the Bengals were not favored to go into Pittsburgh against an undefeated team in amid their rebuild, go in there and and beat them. It just wasn't an expectation for them to go in there to win that game. Could they have? Sure. Um, you know, the expectation is that you have Burrow and this team grow. You get a couple of nice wins somewhere throughout this year and then in 21 that's when you kind of start expecting to win these games you're kind of still in the middle of this rebuild mode but when you go in there and you just drop a a goose egg against that team and don't even really make it competitive particularly in the second half you know when you come out and it's kind of a a decent first half and then you come out and it's just a stinker in the second half that that's those are big warning signs to me and um you know again them being i I put out a tweet that i guess was not popular but uh, i put out a tweet saying just how far away the Bengals have been outscored against the Ravens and Steelers um, in recent games under Zach Taylor. And it's just, it's really not close. And uh, that's just showing how far away these teams are right now. And that, that to me is a big warning sign, but there are a lot, there are a lot. And look, a lot of people, John are saying, John and Anthony don't like Zach Taylor. They want him to fail. No, we don't want Zach Taylor to fail, but when the failures keep coming as a team, you you got to point them out. It's Zach Taylor's a nice guy. You spoke to him, I think, a summer, a year and a half ago, John, when he first took the job. Very nice guy. We want him to do well. We we had high hopes for him, but it's not right now. We've got four wins over two years. That's, I mean, that's that's just the reality of things. Um, was it my turn or your turn? I don't even remember now. We, we I think it was on. your turn. Okay. All right. Let's go to. We got some texts coming in here. Uh, Dan from Tennessee, uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Our next coach must have winning experience in the NFL. I, th- I believe we need a tough minded guy like Mike Zimmer, an offensive coordinator like Joe Brady. Your thoughts? There's someone else in here also in our live chat that's mm-hmm. hired Jack Del Rio as your next head coach. Um, 
I mean, what do you what do you think here? If the Bengals do make a move away from Zach Taylor, are you wanting kind of a veteran guy who had some past success like Adele Rio or Mike Zimmer at head coach, but have, you know, had some more recent failures? Or do you want another kind of bright offensive mind and go that route again, kind of like the Zach Taylor mold? And we also had Brandon Burns ask, do you think Joe Brady would take the Bengals job if yeah. offered? So this is all about, you know, for so many years, the Bengals have said that free agency is two-way street where it's, you know, you may want a player to come and sign for you and, and join your team and play for you. But that player also has to want to come to Cincinnati as well. Same thing for coaches. Two years ago, they couldn't find a defensive coordinator until March. It was <laughs> a, a guy that no one even knew existed. They, they, they got a terrible offensive line coach who, who made every unit that he ever coached at worse. Like their, their coaching staff was terrible because for the large part, no one wanted to come for an inexperienced guy in Zach Taylor who had basically no connections aside from, again, a bad offensive line coach and kind of a bad person in general. So if they're going to move on from Zach Taylor, they need to make sure that they have replacements in line that want to come here. Now, obviously, they had interviews with the enemy and Joshua Daniels or whatever. For whatever reason, they, they landed on Zach Taylor. I mean, he just he was the, the he was the best interview of the bunch, I guess. And they, they felt confident in him going forward with Mike Zimmer. I think there is a connection there where, you know, Zimmer obviously loves living in northern Kentucky. He worked with the with the Brown family for years. And I think he would want to come back here if he was fired from Minnesota with with Brady, though, I think. The, the borough connection is obviously strong and that would be something that would that, that would do a great part of pulling him towards away from Carolina but also this is his first year as an offense coordinator so not only may, may he, he not, ah, not only may he not be ready to be in a head coach he may also want to bide his time and continue building his resume to get a better head coaching opportunity because the borough angle it's a strong pull for anybody to come and replace Zach Taylor but it's still the Bengals. It's still dealing with ownership that doesn't have a GM that is is last in several categories and just reputation in the, around the NFL. Like these guys, I mean, yeah, there's only 32 of these jobs in the world, but there are uh, there are always openings every single year. And with a guy like Brady, who I think many people assume is going to pr- be promoted to a head coach soon, he may want to just bide his time away for better options. Yeah, I guess the safer route in some respects would be the, you know, a Del Rio, uh, a Zimmer, because you get a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of what you're getting there. I guess if you want to, to use a Cincinnati sports reference, if you want to do the swing for the fence, the Adam Dunn, swing for the fences, strike out or hit a home run, depending on how it would play out, you could go be enemy as your head coach and you could go Brady as your offensive coordinator. And that would be a real swing for the fence. And that could either work out incredibly well for the Bengals or, open their face that would be kind of the, the big swing for the fences thing but uh mm-hmm. where are we going next john we'll be here for another couple minutes uh let's see here oh we had one from earlier from matthew steinmetz from facebook what do you guys think about rex ryan for defensive coordinator? Oh. i'll let you handle that first uh i mean how long has he been out of the game now two three years i mean i at least yeah i I mean, I, I understand there's a there's a positive track record there from from a coordinator standpoint, even a small flash in the pan success from a uh, from a head coaching standpoint. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I I guess it could be worse, but it could be a lot better, in my opinion. I mean, there unfortunately for defensive coordinator, that's kind of even Wade Phillips is like that. He was out of out of football this year, and um, you know. 
people, especially in, in Las Vegas are clamoring for him after good old buddy, Paul Gunther got, got the ax from John Gruden. So, I mean, I guess there could be worse options out there, but there's, there's been a reason why he hasn't had a job for a little while. I would assume. Yeah. He got fired by the bills after 2016. And I, I get the angle. He coached in the AFC North. He was the, yeah. well, the Ravens defense coordinator for the final years of Billick. Um, but yeah, no, look, look, look elsewhere. I, I wouldn't be interested at all. Yeah. We still love you, Matt. I know you, you watch and listen to the show a lot, but, uh, and I, and I, we, we appreciate the question there. Um, but we'll, we'll move on there. Um, let's see here. Here's an interesting one from, and I, I don't even know if I know the answer to it, but from Tyrus Humphrey do you, in the Facebook chat, do you feel that Christian Westerman would still be on this team if Frank Pollock was the offensive line coach instead of Turner? Um, maybe a little bit of a pet project under pa- Pollock. Uh, got very limited time under under Marvin Lewis. And uh, one of those guys where, you know, Zach Taylor kind of got a raw deal where Bowling quit and, and retired. Westerman did the same, I think, right? Um, and, uh, you know, they kind of had to make do last year. That's very interesting. Um, I, cause I, I mean, I just think the one year that Westerman was here with, with Pollock, he played, and I'm looking at it right now, he played three games. They're only really starting in those games. He just came off the bench. It was decent. Um, but, you know, Alex Freeman won that starting job at right guard that year. And you know, people at the time, you know, thought that Westerman was probably more deserving of that. So, you know, I, I think Pollock liked him enough to keep him around as like backup, but I don't know if he would still be here to be honest with you. I, I think it was speculated that he had, you know, he just disagreed vehemently with Jim Turner. And that's ultimately why he wanted to retire rather than continue playing for the Bengals. Or maybe it was just, it was something bigger and it was just a bigger personal issue and he just didn't want to be in football anymore. So I, I really don't know the answer to that. I just know that he didn't win the starting job when uh, Frank Pollock was here. That was Redmond at right guard, but you know, it, it's it's a lot of speculation with a, with a case that we just don't really know a lot about. Yeah, Westerman was a guy, man, I was amped up on that guy. Uh, reports had him, you know, kind of physically as a second, third round talent. Bengals got him in the fifth and he just never, you know, there was some stuff about never grasping the playbook. Um, they couldn't trust him to, to do the right reads and, and protections and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, maybe he thought that he was in line for a starting gig once bowling was gone and um, you know, they, they kind of told him that you got to still kind of fight for a spot right now, you're back. And maybe he didn't like hearing that. And he just kind of was saying, I'm done. I don't know. Uh, we'll see total, total conjecture there, but a very interesting question from Tyrus. We got a text, John, um, from a different five, one, three number at this point. What are, what are your thoughts on Logan Wilson? He's a good player. I, I think um, after the draft, I, I was personally more excited about Keen Davis Gaither. Um, I just liked him more as as an overall player. But I think Wilson has developed nicely in just one year. He's an older guy. He's a, he's the exact he's exactly as old as I am. He was born in July of 1996, so he was an old player coming into the NFL. And there was some worries about you know older guy coming from smaller school. You know how is that really going to translate? But um, intellectually, I think he's developed very nicely as a guy that just kind of knows where to be. He's got the play strength. He's got the op- open field athleticism. He can be a solid player. I think he's a guy that can definitely break the curse of, you know, so many consecutive third round whiffs at linebacker. He might not be a great player ever because that he just doesn't really have the profile to be, become that. But I think a solid player is what he is right now and we can, what he can continue to be. 
I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think we're seeing all pro pro bowler could be wrong about that, but, and I think solid's all they kind of need. If you bolster that defensive line, if you got a solid guy behind him and Logan Wilson, that's fine. That's totally fine. Especially based on what they've had previous to him. I mean, it's just, I mean, and you mentioned the, the third round whiffs. I mean, you could go Dawson, Malik Jefferson, you could, you could go round and round with that. It's just been an absolute mess. And they seem to find a guy, you know, he, his tape, showed him very active and always around the football in college. And it's proven to be quite a bit of the same in the NFL. You worried, you know, kind of smaller school program, if he was going to be able to keep up with the rough and tumble uh, AFC North and just in the NFL in general. And he, he seems to be very active and always around the ball when he's, when he's in there. It's just a matter of, you know, seeing an increase of snaps and uh, hopefully we see more growth going into next year. But I agree with you. Nice, nice player and a good pick as of, as of today. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to YouTube with Mark Fry. Um, any potential free agent candidates for the offensive line the Bengals could slash should pursue next offseason? I'm going to ask you this, but also uh, say that you can't say Joe, Joe Tooney or Brandon Scherf. <laughs> well, I, I did a brief look the other day, and I, I should probably pull it back up to see. I mean, really, I, I kind of was like, well, what if, what if you went – if the Bengals are indeed maybe thinking move back and Sewell isn't in their plans, whether it be because they, they like Jonah Williams and maybe even Bobby Hart and they just want to do the interior of the offensive line. Maybe they don't want to pay that much for a guard. I, maybe they move Jonah into guard and they pay a tackle if they're more comfortable doing that. Um, I mean, there are some other guys out there, but they're up there in age, right? There's Trent Williams. He's, I think, 33, 34 um, you've got, uh, I'm trying to think off Jason Peters. He's almost 40 for God's sake. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of guys set to be free agents next year that are tackles that, uh, are, are just kind of up there in age. I'll try and pull up a list. I'm, I'm kind of being caught a little off guard. I'm trying to go back in the memory bank there from a couple of days ago, but really, I just remember kind of saying, well, there's some talented names up there, at least a tackle, but they're old. And so it would kind of be nothing more than rental deals. And a, a lot of the rest were, you know, your, your guys who have been kind of fringe starters, rotational players, no one that really kind of says, yeah, I'm the starter. Um, so I, that, at least a tackle, that's what I saw. And then, of course, you know, you mentioned Scherf and Tooney, but we're not talking about them. <laughs> yeah, everybody is on about one of the two guards and – it would be the first time the Bengals really invested in that position ever. And I think some people thought that they were going to do last year, but they were just comfortable with the offense line. I'm not saying that, that, that they won't outright at all. I just think it's, it just seems more likely if, if they invest big in the offense line, they might do it at tackle. And the price in this free agent class is Taylor Moden from, from Carolina. He has been all over that offensive line. He just found a spot at right tackle when, when they invested at left tackle and he's been really good in the contract year. You know, it's possible that the Panthers bring him back, but I think there was a report saying that they don't intend to franchise him or something like that. So he's going to get pretty decent money. And I feel like, you know, if you're spending $15, $16 million a year on offensive linemen, you probably should more likely do it on a tackle than a guard. And it, it would it would open up a lot of flexibility with, with the draft too. And also, uh, you know, Bobby Hart's probably gone. Fred Johnson's probably gone. That leaves you with Jonah Williams and Akeem Adenji at tackle. And if you want to add another tackle, you know, a young, a young tackle, you don't have a lot of experience at that position. I feel like a free agent tackle makes a lot of sense. And if they're willing to go big, I, I honestly would honest, I would honestly prefer them going at Moden over one of Tooney or, or a Scherf. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the list now, and you've got, I mean, there's a couple of big-name centers, but you seem to be pretty set with Hopkins at center, unless there's a move there that you want to make. He goes to guard, and maybe you get one of these guys. But, I mean, you've got Alex Mack, 35 years old, Mike Pouncey of the Chargers. He's going to be 33 next year. Corey Lindsley, a pretty good player for the Packers. He's uh, 30 right now, so, I mean, that could be something you look at. But, again, you've got, uh, as I mentioned, a tackle. Villanueva was another one. He's 32, right? Um, Niseki of Buffalo, he's 35. That was another one that, that I forgot about there. Um, and he's a guy, does he really blow your hair back? I mean, especially when, he's, when he would be coming to your team at 36. I don't know. Jason Peters, he's 39 right now. You've got good friend John Miller uh, with, with the Panthers. You've got Austin Blythe, a guy who just kind of keeps hanging on with the Rams. Um, they seem to really like him and what he brings. He's He was a guy I think you mentioned last year, John, as a, as a free agent option, right, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. for the Bengals. John Feliciano, another guy that's just kind of okay. And, and, you know, and you mentioned the Buffalo line there. It's kind of like, you know, the, the old sum of the parts is greater than the whole type of thing, you know. So, uh, I, I mean, there's – there are options. It's just I don't think there's many that really truly blow your hair back, much like a sheriff or something like that. So thanks for the question there, Mark. We're gonna get to I think maybe one more here. Let's see if we've got uh, one more interesting one. I'll check the texts here. Um, so five one two is asking, we've got 513s and 512s. Uh, basically, with AJ probably leaving, what do you think about Jam- uh, Jamar Chase? And then talking about doing offensive line in uh, in free agency. So basically, Jamar Chase and then maybe Evan Ingram in free agency. Are these options that the Bengals should think about in terms of getting Burrow more weapons and then maybe you look at free agency for the offensive line instead of maybe those top one or two picks that they that they have. Evan Ingram would certainly be interesting. They have history with him. It's allowed 100 yards receiving to him <laughs> about a month ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, Chase would obviously be somebody that the Bengals would have interest in. You know, young, produced at a big school, with the connection with Burrow. It makes all the sense in the world. Uh, last – or, well, not last year. This year has been 10 years long. In February – uh, when this channel interviewed Austin Gale, I asked him about, you know, for a team that is looking to turn around their offensive line immediately, is it wiser to invest that in the draft or in free agency? And he said, like, you know, it's rare for rookie offensive linemen to produce at above average levels, you know, compared to other veterans. And if you want results right now, you would be probably more wise to invest in quality veterans at that spot than, than go out go out in the draft, even if the draft um is more you know financially cheaper you know it's just for for you know mid-round or first round draft picks compared to you know open market contracts or whatever so it, it would make sense if if they want to fix the offensive line right now to, to sign two starters at one of the guard spots and right tackle and that opens you up in the draft where you don't have to take a Sewell for for need even though Sewell is still might, might be the best player on the board I think Chase would be right behind him, and if they were would be willing to to move back, he would make a lot of sense to just fill in that void for Green. I, I'm sure Burrow would support it too. Yeah, look, the Bengals have always preached this, and I think again, if you want to go back and check out that interview that John did with with Duke Tobin, here's they use free agency as their their thing for the, to fill the needs, 
that's what they they use free agency for the needs and they want the draft to be open for best player available for the most part. Now, last year was a little different because when you have the top pick and you're the worst team in the league, you, you got a lot of needs, whether free agency covers it or not. But for the most part, this team likes best player available. They don't like to be pressed when it comes to the draft. They don't like to be pressed into taking, and they say that publicly all the time. Now, do they always stick to that? Not necessarily. And do sometimes those two, a need and best player available, does that sometimes overlap? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, this team likes to use free agency to fill holes and then in, in the needs. And then when they get to the draft, they like to do best player available. So to John's point, if they are going to use free agency for offensive line help and they fill a lot of the, the gaps there, you know, you could see conceivably a wide receiver or a tight end or, you know, this this Pitts kid from Florida be in the mix all of a sudden. Um, if if they've taken care of a lot of issues in free agency. So, uh, you know, I right now as we sit here, Sewell's the pick, um, but a lot of things can happen in the course of the next five months. Right. Anything else you want to get to before we get on out of here, John? Um, well, why don't you take that call there? But I want to get to this question from, from Leo Sean on Facebook. What team do you think A.J. Green will go to? Honestly, like, it's just weird imagining – him and you know Atkins in a different uniform and honestly I don't have a good answer for that you know I'm trying to think about connections about coaches who have coached them in the past but like that's the Bears with Bill Lazor is not gonna be around Jay Gruden for the Jaguars is probably not gonna be around I, I have no idea I, w- I would like to hear Anthony's answer though unfortunately that call uh dropped there so we didn't we didn't get to that one maybe it'll come back through again before but uh we are coming up against it here but um I honestly, I think you're going to see him on a team that is either is going to be an immediate contender or one that is showing a lot of things that they will be a contender next year. Um, I would not be surprised to see AJ Green uh, head maybe south, closer to where he's from. Uh, I think he's I think he's from South Carolina, and then he went to school in Georgia, something something like that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of return to that area, um, whatever that may mean in terms of a team down there. Maybe that's a Miami. I don't know. Um, maybe the Chargers. They like big wide receivers. They, they, they've got Mike Williams on one side. Keenan Allen is a physical guy. Maybe A.J. Green fits in there somewhere with Justin Herbert. Um, maybe it's a, even in the division since there's so many good teams, a, a Baltimore Ravens. Could, could probably use a guy like that, and they would probably like to not see him. I don't know. I, But I do think that A.J. Green's going to want to go somewhere where there's probably an established quarterback and somewhere where they can be at least competitive or, or in the championship conversation. I think he, he wants to do that and kind of get get his name back on the on the plus side of things after the past few years. That's, that's my opinion, and I could be totally off base with that. Yeah, because I think he still wants to be like – a primary option in an offense and it's it's tough to it's tough to find a team that doesn't really have an established number one receiver that also has like a a, a quarterback that a receiver would want to join you know it's like it's trying to find that that perfect match and obviously a team that that would be willing to pay him what he wants so i I, like someone said you know he's going to retirement i know i don't i don't agree with that i think he still has at least a couple years left and he would want to play a couple more years. He wants, he wants to get in the hall of fame right now. He doesn't, he doesn't have the resume to, to, to do that at least quickly. So he wants to go to a place. He wants to win. He wants to still produce. So he's not going out of the NFL just yet. Yeah. One dark horse, I think Indianapolis, very close to mm. Cincinnati 
Phillip Rivers has got one year left on his contract. They're a little receiver needy. They've got the big guy Pittman, who's a rookie. He's flashed a little bit, but he's had some injuries and other stuff. He's flashed a little bit for them. They need another big wide receiver. And when Phillip Rivers was really, really successful in the then San Diego Chargers offense, it's when they had Vincent Jackson and Malcolm, I can't remember his last, Malcolm Floyd, I think, Mm -hmm. the guys that were two really big targets along with Antonio Gates. And I think, you know, Indy's very competitive this year. It's close geographically. That's that could be a dark horse where he ends up next year for me. I like that. I think we're going to get on out of here again, John. If you want to plug uh, the other show that you were on a little bit earlier today, that would be awesome. We did put that link in the live chat, so check that out. But uh, what was that show again? Yeah, so it was the Forever I Love Atlanta Sports Podcast hashtag Fila SP. Um, uh, yeah, check, check him out on YouTube. He's got an interview with Reggie Kelly uh, later this weekend. Definitely check that out. Thanks, everybody, for your calls, your texts, your emails, your live chat comments. We appreciate all of those. We tried to get to as many as we could. A lot of good ones this week. Uh, keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, all kinds of stuff breaking down the Monday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can join Matt Minnick, John Sheeran, and myself for the Narragansett pregame show on Monday afternoon slash Monday evening, an hour up to kickoff. And then we'll be doing a postgame show after that and all kinds of stuff, including our podcast and Orange is the New Black, Chalk Talk, all kinds of stuff throughout the week following. So keep it to our channel. Keep it to CincyJungle.com. We appreciate it. Thanks, John. Have a good rest of your week. Man.